Hello, my name is Lance Weiler. I'm a storyteller and director of the Columbia University School of the Arts Digital Storytelling Lab. You're listening to Columbia DSL's Sandbox, a podcast where we explore new forms and functions of storytelling. It's been a while since we've had an episode of Sandbox. You know, a lot has changed in the world since the last time we dropped an episode. And so we're excited to be back and sharing some news with you about the lab's activity and most notably a new program that we're starting, which is called Restart Lab. Today, I'm joined by Rachel Ginsberg, who is the founding director of the Interaction Lab at Cooper Hewitt Smithsonian Design Museum, and by Jorgen van der Sloot, who is a co-founder of Mikowski. Thank you both for joining us today. Cool. Thanks, Lance. Um, hey, everybody. Thanks for joining. My name is Rachel Ginsberg, as Lance said, um, and I have been a member of the Digital Storytelling Lab now for about four years, I guess. Wow, it's been a while, huh? And so before that, um, and and during and kind of since, really, um, I am a strategist primarily, and I, I focus my work mostly on experiential strategy, but particularly how how you can sort of bridge the gap between brand strategy and experience design, which over the past few years is increasingly important, especially now that, you know, all of the experiences that we're having uh, are home. So if if they're not designed, then they're not designed. And as Lance mentioned, I am the director of a program, a visitor experience design program at Cooper Hewitt Smithsonian Design Museum called the Interaction Lab. Um, I have a really deep personal connection with thinking about futures, um, and I'm really excited to share that with you all. Uh, I'm Jurgen. Uh, hi, everyone. Great to be uh, on this podcast with you. I'm founder of a company called Minkowski. Uh, we're named after one of Einstein's teachers, uh, actually, and more importantly, named after uh, Minkowski, Hermann Minkowski, uh, because he had a great perspective on the future and time and how that intersection works. But maybe we'll be able to jump into that more later on during the podcast. Uh, I've been collaborating uh, with Lance uh, for over a decade and with the Digital Storytelling Lab. And I'm also excited about uh, the new lab that we're doing because this is going to be you know, one of the first times that we are going to take our approach, these multi-day labs that we've always done physically, and we're going to take that online. Uh, so that's exciting to see how uh, we can make that successful using well, the new and latest uh, tools and technologies that I think most of you have come to know or at least come to use to a certain extent as a result of uh, the past COVID crisis. So what we're going to do today in terms of our conversation is part of it is going to be broken into sharing some of the projects that the lab has been working on. Uh, we're going to be leaning into this notion of speculative design and kind of thinking about futures, uh, mm-hmm. which is very relevant at this moment in time. And in addition to that, we're going to be sharing, as my colleagues had uh, teased there, uh, kind of the, uh, the launch of a new lab program, a virtual lab program that we're be- going to be offering for the first time. But we'll get to that momentarily. But what we want to kind of start with is I think if we go back about six, seven months to when everything kind of went into lockdown, one of the things that the lab started doing in a, in a collaboration with fake artists and Mikowski and beautiful seams is we started to play with this idea of uh, from the futures. Uh, we, we thought, what would it be like if we could virtually connect in this moment of physical distancing? You know, this is back in March when things kind of locked down and we, we decided it would be interesting to kind of experiment with 
you know, prototyping futures in order to better understand our present. And so in doing so, we started to hold these gatherings. I, I think when we first started, they were bi-weekly and they were exploring different themes, the, the future of food, the, the future of public spaces and the future of art. And using that as a way to kind of bring people from all different walks of life together and run them through these very kind of, to Rachel's point earlier, these uh, designed experiences that for many of the folks who were on it were at home, right? And, and for many of them, they weren't even interacting with other people. And so uh, I think out of that, we learned quite a bit about figuring out how we could design experiences that could be more engaging or that could allow people to learn, do, and share together. It, it led to a really interesting kind of experimentation of tools. And I think what we found ourselves, you know, in this moment when we're kind of all thrusted into what effectively is uh, what were normally second forms of communication, like the way that we're using video conferencing quite often now, which has now become a mainstay of communication. We found ourselves like in this, in this weird kind of awkward moment where we had to kind of go across more than one potential tool in order to connect. And so we started doing quite a bit with Zoom and doing quite a bit with, you know, platforms like Miro, uh, which is a collaborative whiteboarding platform. And the goal was to, to try to hold space or create a clearing that would allow us to collaborate virtually. So when I think about, when I think about that and I think about the power of being able to bring people together collaboratively in a space, but in very uncertain times, the, the, the value of being able to think about futures, and, and I don't say future, I say futures because it's plural, I'm just wondering, you know, in your own practice, in the way that you're both approaching this, this moment of uncertainty and thinking about futures, can you share, you know, some of the thoughts about how maybe you're approaching the topic, the way that it's, a, you, know, uh, you know, harnessed within your own practice and in your own work? Yeah, well, I just wanted to like a couple of uh, things that came to mind when you were talking as well. I think that what we did with From the Futures and what made it so unique is that um, to a certain extent, this asynchronous experience, meaning that, you know, across the globe, people went in a lockdown in, in, at various moments and, and various degrees of kind of like how fierce the lockdown was. Um, and we crafted this synchronous uh, a, a collective experience around that. And I think that that became a way of sense making uh, about what was happening today and what was happening in all these different countries around the world. Um, that was highly effective for the participants. Um, and I think it was a clear illustration of how people uh, can look at the future or how they can see the future. Because uh, in my work, when I collaborate with, with organizations and, and, and with people, individuals as well, um, we always say that the future is not just kind of like this standalone separate thing. It's always rooted in uh, the past and the present as well. Um, and that is what I think uh, was so nicely illustrated from the futures, that all these different perspectives, different cultures, uh, uh, people in different degrees of uh, lockdown, created these uh, almost like a myriad of perspectives of what would be possible or what could be possible uh, in the future and how they looked at that. And of course, you know, there's never a prediction or one prediction about the future. Um, I, I even think that you can never predict the future anyway. But because you had this multiple uh, perspectives, this diverse group of people looking 
through different lenses uh, about what a post-COVID-19 world could look like at that moment, that is where uh, I think a lot of the value was in that experience. Uh, and I've taken a lot of that with my uh, current practice as well in working with clients, because um, especially when people are locked down in their private homes, you the, the context that they operate from becomes ever more important because it makes a complete big difference if you are with a family and you are locked away kind of like in a small room kind of like five stories out in the middle of a city or whether your colleague is living in a house outside of a city and has like all the space in the world that does something to how you kind of like establish yourself in the present and that has an impact on how you see the future so being aware of those shared spaces that now happen online, I think is very important if you do a futures thinking, if you do futures work, even for organizations that are now slowly catching up and saying, okay, so this thing has happened now and it is still happening. We have to come up with a new view or a new perspective on what our future as an organization looks like. Um, so for me, the, from the futures uh, um, uh, experiences that we've designed, uh, I could use kind of like all the lessons from that, not only from the tools that we used and applied, but also the perspective on the future very much uh, for for that as well. For me, when thinking about futures and 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 doing work with futures and thinking about futures as a tool, I think primarily about a couple of really critical mind shifts that are necessary. One of which Lance kind of alluded to previously and in, in sort of pointing to futures, not future, is really this idea that uh, there is no the future. There are only futures because they haven't happened yet. So there really is just an, a kind of unlimited set of possibilities. And so when I first started becoming conscious of futures thinking as a practice, that was really a super significant insight for me. And then all of a sudden, things sort of unfolded from there, you know, realizing that we have all of these options, we have this infinite set of possibilities, these infinite futures. And the implication of that then is that we have agency inside of this reality to determine which future we are going to construct out of the infinite futures that we we could create. And so like to Jorgen's point, predicting is a little bit of a problematic paradigm because we we predict based on the, the kind of arc that we've perceived from the past, from what we know, what's normal for us in the past into the present. And then we predict an arc that follows that same trajectory into what we call the future. But what happened at the beginning of the pandemic is that the normal got totally shattered. And so our normal, quote unquote, normal practice of predicting or of expecting that we understand the future was totally disrupted because we actually have, and, but the truth is we we never really knew what the future was going to look like. We just sort of were able to feel like we did. And so now this pandemic has happened. It has totally shifted the ground underneath our feet. And where the norm that we previously had established was establishing also our predictions, our expectations of what a future might look like, that has been destroyed. So in the context of Cooper Hewitt, I mean, what's interesting for the work that I've been doing there is that the program that I'm that I'm building right now was predicated on the idea that we should really break down some of those norms, that we should really question some of those norms. 
and really think about what kinds of experiences you want to create, as Jorgen was saying, like, what do our ideals look like and how can we design towards our ideals as opposed to existing in a mindset of this is the way that the world is, this is the future that we all expect, and we're all going to perform the various roles and functions that exist as we understand it today to manifest the future that we expect. Because now the quote unquote, the future that we expected is different. And maybe I can build on that because what I think is is interesting what uh, what Rachel was saying there um, I immediately reminded me of uh, Marshall McLuhan, famous media philosopher, uh, who said that we walk backwards into the future, right? We always look through the rearview mirror when we kind of like make steps or set steps into the future. Almost limits you, right, to what you think is possible in the future. And I think a, a way of breaking away from that rearview mirror or walking backwards into the future uh, is um, uh, to, to take a giant leap into the future. And then from that future perspective, reason your way back, because then you've reframed kind of like your perspective on things. And, you know, a, a great way to accomplish that is to, uh, to, to, to work with speculative futures and speculative designs so that you can literally use your imagination and your creativity to come up with these speculations with these artifacts from the future that might be and then if you allow yourself the the creativity to come up with these artifacts or these possibilities in the future then you get uh, at a better position because then from that vantage point you can look back to the present and say oh hold on if this is going to be possible then that means quite a few very fundamental things have to change or we have to take these steps uh, in order to make this or turn this into a reality. And that is where you slowly begin from the infinite possibility, possible futures that are out there to say, all right, so from what is possible in the future, what are the most likely um, uh, possibilities? What are the plausible scenarios as they refer to it? And then indeed, which one of those plausible scenarios do we prefer? Where do we want to go? Uh, and if you've taken those steps and made that identification, then you can begin to construct that future or create the future that you want to see. You know, well, I know that that is kind of like um, something that people always say, right? The best way to predict the future is to create the future. But it does require you to first take that giant leap forward, to first speculate a little bit, because otherwise you will always extrapolate from the past or walk into the future uh, looking through the rearview mirror. Well, I'm interested too in, in the sense that when you find yourself in a collective moment with what we're dealing with in terms of COVID, uh, which creates a global you know, shared moment, which is very unique, you know, where we could possibly go from here becomes really interesting because you see all the the uh, the fractures or the stresses on the existing current infrastructure. You see all the places where the system fails. You see all the things that maybe were hidden at some point, and all of a sudden, maybe something that you were planning for in a couple years, you know, or that's five years away when you're planning. Everything it becomes a perfect storm, and it's all at once, right? And now you're trying to figure out, like, okay, well, how do I even chart a path forward? You know, how do I even create? like kind of a vision of where I want to go or what I want to do when so many things are so up in the air and there's such ambiguity. And I think there's a real value to kind of looking when you have a global event to being able to uh, go out and, and learn from a variety of different perspectives, being able to kind of collectively come together 
and say, oh, I'm approaching it like this. How have you opened in that particular part of the world? What are you doing there? What are your anxieties around this? What are best practices? What have you found? Oh, we go from something where we're in a moment where we're expecting certainty, but we're dealing with a virus that's constantly kind of mutating. Everybody wants answers. They just want certainty. But the problem is we're in this this place of ambiguity. And I think what's interesting is what we can potentially learn from each other. There's certain things that you do when you bring people together. There's certain ways that you can uh, create an immersive learning experience to make it practical so that when you finish, you can take something away. I think what we're seeing right now pedagogically that's really fascinating in in higher ed, and and, and this goes through K through 12 as well, and, and also in organizations is this challenge of what these, you know, how do you develop new processes? Process. What does that look like? How do you make it adaptive? How can you uh, how can you embrace these remote challenges of working together, collaborating together? You know, and I think what we what we're looking to do at the lab that we're very excited about is to take these uh, these these labs that we've been doing for quite some time around all different types of complex problems, wicked problems, and bring them into a virtual environment where it's experience design, right? We're looking and we're, we're taking these methods and these tools, but we're also allowing for an experience that hopefully in some way shifts perspective or allows you to see a different perspective than maybe you normally would. So I think we're arguably at this really unique moment in time where we can radically shift the way that we're able to learn from each other and exchange you know, valuable insights in ways that we haven't been able to do before. So as we move forward and we kind of restart, we're restarting with a restart lab, right? So this represents us taking what we've been doing in the real world and bringing it into a virtual space. It is, it is crucial that if you locate yourself in the present today, and if you understand where you're coming from, and whether that is as an organization or whether that is as an individual, as a self-employed person, as an artist or whatever, I think only if you have a good understanding of that, that is when you can pave the path forward. So it's crucial to do that collaboratively. And because you have that shared experience, then the power of these, this diversity or the, the diverse lenses becomes uh, very effective because because you can then share kind of like oh you are looking at a lockdown or at restarting your business from that angle whereas I'm looking at it from this angle and I see from my artist background that for me restarting means this collaboration has always been kind of like a core design principle in the labs that's why co-creation is so crucial when you do uh, futures work uh, and that is why this moment's it's, a, it's such a unique opportunity to do that across the globe with all these different people from different backgrounds. Even having an expectation is in some ways a, a little bit of a fallacy. You know, we're so accustomed to living in this world where we predict and we plan and we predict and we plan and then we measure our plans against our predictions and we measure actual against predictions. But the truth is that... Uh, I mean, we're still going to keep doing that. <laughs> it's not like that's going to go away. But I think thinking about futures as a tool inside of that process, and in some ways then, you know, 
just as we're encouraging people to collaborate with us on the design of their own space and the way that they're experiencing a thing that we're creating for, you know, for and with them. So this restart lab will be no different. I mean, we're going to be convening people from all over the world who are joining us from their living rooms or from their offices or from their bedrooms or wherever they've set up to be able to work, um, you know, in a distributed fashion, if that's still what's going on in the country where they live. And so not only are we asking them to collaborate with us in terms of having the experience and participating in a shared experience, but that actually after the program, the hope is that having experienced this kind of agency and this kind of collaboration with other folks in, you know, in this lab, that you can also take it with you when you go. That when you're, you know, that a year from now or two years from now or five years from now, when at least as far as COVID-19 is concerned, when, you know, there's an, a vaccine that's widely available and we've gotten back to a place that's quote unquote normal again, or we've established some kind of norm that we remember these moments when we collaborated together, when we took a different approach and that we integrate that into the way that we approach things in the future. So using a future, the future, futures as a tool to understand the present, but then with the expectation that altering the present in this way also will alter our futures. And the thing that I love about all of that is, you know, that's at the, the core of the ethos of the lab itself, the, the digital storytelling lab. And, and I think when we're, we're looking and building out this restart lab program, we're kind of looking and we're saying, this is coming from the arts. This is coming from this perspective of harnessing storytelling and design and play as ways to tackle complex issues. And I think that that's an interesting way to kind of approach it because we're looking and we're saying, what can we model? What kind of experience can we create where we come together and we can challenge some of these, these ideas or these notions of what we think futures can be? And what if we do that together in a way that embraces uh, an element of the arts and the humanities and technology, right? And, and to kind of come at it from that perspective, because I think we're in a unique moment where we have an opportunity to kind of challenge the way things have been done previously. And with that comes the opportunity to potentially reimagine what could come next. And I'm not saying that just to be optimistic. I'm saying that, that that's a necessity. We have a a whole bunch of existential threats, whether it be climate, what we're dealing with with this pandemic, you know, there's, there's no shortage of existential threats. And I think the way that you can move through those is where we need to rely upon each other, you know, in the sense of what we can do uh, collaboratively to tackle some of those challenges, I think is critical. So, so I think it coming from the arts is really an interesting opportunity. And this idea that we're going to kind of lean into the notion of not only just storytelling, but the way in which emergent technology or the way in which we can use technologies to like back to the point of what we talked about at the beginning with the from the futures where we were experimenting and saying, okay, how can we, you know, virtually gather when we're physically distanced? Now we're saying, well, what's valuable from that that we can take and use as a way to build whether it's building teams, building strategy, whether it's kind of trying to determine how we chart our own 
way into the future or, or map the terrain, kind of the breadcrumbs to the future are all kind of around us. The signals for the future are all kind of around us. It's just a matter of like, can we tune into them? Can we see where they are? And if we all come together, maybe there's an opportunity where we can share those signals. We can start to identify them and we can start to say, oh, that's interesting. We keep seeing that, 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 and that. And maybe in the end, we have this opportunity, you know, kind of paraphrasing from Buckminster Fuller, we have an opportunity to be, you know, architects of the future as opposed to victims of it. And so I think what we are looking to do with the Restart Lab is we're looking to find a way to bring people together in a very difficult time to allow us to uh, challenge the notion of what these futures could be. So um, the lab itself will take place on November 18th and 19th. Uh, we have applications open currently, and this marks the first time that we are doing one of our labs virtually and making it accessible. This is going to be an amazing kind of immersive experience that you can step into. This is very akin to what we not only do within the university itself, but we also do with outside partners that we've done with groups like the World Economic Forum and the UN, the, the U.S. State Department under Obama's administration, the city of Los Angeles. We, we've done this many, many times and with large organizations and NGOs and all kinds of wonderful partners. So this is an opportunity for anybody that's interested to kind of step in and, and come in. We have a limited number of people to be able to uh, take part, but this represents the kickoff of uh, an exciting new uh, adventure for all of us and thrilled to be doing it with Jorgen and with Rachel. To find out more information, please uh, visit arts.columbia.edu forward slash restart. That's arts.columbia.edu edu forward slash restart. So with that being said, I want to thank uh, Rachel and Jorgen for joining me today. And we're excited. We're going to be doing more of these episodes now that we're getting back into the flow of things. But uh, thank you both for joining. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in exploring new forms and functions of storytelling, make sure to check out Columbia DSL's new prototyping community, you can find out more information at digitalstorytellinglab.com. This podcast is brought to you by the Columbia University School of the Arts Digital Storytelling Lab. Special thanks to Peter English for composing our theme.